and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. God, here's a confession of our hearts and lips. Through Jesus Christ, we are forgiven all our sins, and by the Holy Spirit, we are empowered for new life. We believe the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Let us pray. God of signs and wonders, God of everyday surprises, we are eager to hear your word, thankful that you chose to dwell among us and lead us to your new day. We want to celebrate your bounty, share it with those who have less, and together learn to live as responsible, compassionate people. Amen. Maybe seek. The Old Testament lesson for this morning is taken from Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 1 through 6. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people. It is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as long and deal wisely. He shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The word of the Lord. The second lesson is taken from Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, chapter 1, verses 11 through 20. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from the glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience, while joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead 
so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Word of God, word of life. I'd like to invite my young friends to come forward if they're, and, and some, some uh, older friends too if you want to. <laughs> Maddie, you can come forward. <laughs> and Evelyn's going to come forward. Now, don't you all wish that you had a, had a skirt like Evelyn's got? Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> How are you guys today? Just hold on to that. Then you can, they can hear you if you talk. Thank you, Molly. So, um, we, what, how do we count days? What do we use to count days? It's a, it's a thing. It's a, it's, you, sometimes it's on the wall. Something, yeah, calendar. Sometimes on your phone, like mine, right? And so there's all kinds of different calendars. We keep track of stuff. The first one is um, we keep track of the the year for the whole world, right? From it, we it goes from what? what what's New Year's Day? First of January until the 31st of December, right? Then we've got the school calendar, which is approximately um, August until uh, late May, early June, right? So that's the school calendar. And um, then we also have, um, we have the church calendar. Did you know that? Yep. See, they go to Sunday school, so they know that. And because Linda reminds them of it all the time. Um, so we have a church calendar. And do you know when the, when the church calendar ends? When like Jesus New dies? Year, like New Year's Eve for, church, for the church? Today. Today is the end of the church year. Christ the King or Reign of Christ Sunday. So what happens is the church year starts in that. You guys are learning something too, aren't you? <laughs> That's good. Uh, um, so Advent, next Sunday is the first Sunday, four Sundays of Advent in preparation for Christmas. Before Christmas is the first Sunday of what we call the church year. So this is the last Sunday of the church year. Now sometimes last things are sad, right? So, but this isn't sad because Christ's reign never ends. It just starts again. And so we start the whole new cycle again to remember all over again what Christ means to us and who Christ is and how Christ is um, in charge of all that we do. So while this, I'm just going to read this part. While this Sunday, well, we call this Sunday the end of the church year, the reign of Christ, Christ the King. We call this to remember that no matter when it is, no matter where we are, we are part of Christ's holy kingdom, living to share God's love. The church calendar may say that it's the end of the church year, but God says that his love never ends. So this week, we end the church year with happiness, with joy, with God's love, counting all of our blessings at our Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday, and as we begin a new church year next Sunday, as we enter the season of Advent and prepare for Christmas. And then I love this line. See, life goes on. No need to be sad. God's love never ends. We are blessed. 
So now you guys get to help me with our echo prayer, okay? There we go. Dear Lord. Dear Lord. Thank you. Thank you. For the joys. For the joys. Of this past year. Of this past year. Thank you. Thank you. For the joys. For the joys. Of this coming church year. Of this coming church year. Thank you. Thank you. For having me. For having me. And all of us. And all of us. As a part of your kingdom. As a part of your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Super. Thank you, guys. Thanks for coming forward. So I'm making the Colossians passage the center and focus of the message. So I commend to you this morning the words of the Apostle Paul, especially those words in the reading that say, In Christ all things hold together. It seems to me that we need to be reminded and to, to reminded and to, we need to remind each other that Christ is the center of who we are as Christians. If we believe that, indeed nothing is excluded then it's up to us to also pay attention to this line in Colossians, in Christ, all things hold together. Some call this scripture lesson a hymn, a hymn in the form of a letter from the Apostle Paul addressed to a group of Christians for whom there was uncertainty. There was uncertainty about who was at the center of their life, their center. Life for some, if not all of them, must have felt out of control. Destiny probably seemed to be determined by fate rather than divine will and power. And some of us, I think, can relate to that today, too. It seems these Christians that Paul is writing to in Colossae were so anxious about life without a center, without a center in Christ, that they were attracted to all kinds of false teachings and practices, all in a desperate quest for hope and security. They searched for self-centered and individual experiences that they hoped would assure them that God was present in history, their history. They wanted and needed assurance that God was able to protect them from all kinds of things, including potential evil that seemed to overwhelm them. The Apostle Paul tells the Colossians and all of us today that Jesus is the Lord of the universe, of the cosmos, all of it. The Lordship of Jesus seems to mean two things for the Apostle Paul. He teaches us that first it means that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Think about that for a minute. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. You see, for Paul, Jesus reveals exactly what God is doing in the world and how God is in the world and how God operates in the world. Paul reveals for us the character and power of God, as in God in the world and God interacts with the world, both of those things. 
Secondly, Paul believes that the reign of Christ, the way Jesus serves us as Lord, means that Jesus is the firstborn of creation. All things were created in him, after all it says in the first phrase of the scripture. Jesus' creation takes place in Christ and is dependent on Christ. All created reality, all creation, even the cosmic principalities and powers were created in and through and for Christ. Therefore, all created reality. With me so far. This is all directly connected to the line from verse 17, in Christ all things hold together. Christ is the sustainer of the universe. Christ is the unifying force of creation. Christ holds all things together if we choose to let him do all that in our lives. Here's what's so important about all that. Paul's first word, Paul's advice to Christians then in Colossae and Christians today here at Jerusalem Western Salisbury Church and all around us. All of us that are fearful of life. To say that Jesus is the head of the body as the beginning and the firstborn of the dead is to say that Jesus is the founder of the church. The church is Jesus' new people in the world through which he expresses the the reign that he has over us, the power that he exerts over us, the way that he is with us and next to us and beside us and under us and behind us and in front of us. Another very important point Paul is trying to communicate, the reign of Jesus through the church is critical because Jesus as the head of church reconciles all things. What does that mean? Well, some people say, well, I'm spiritual but not religious. I don't need to go to organized religion. I've got, the, I've got it all figured out. It's all good and we're all good and God bless them. If they think that that's true, that's good. But Jesus is saying that there's a bigger dimension to that. We have to have that strong personal faith, the way that we connect ourselves to that faith. And one of the ways that we connect ourselves to that faith is through fellow Christians. Because sometimes we come and we pray for people who can't pray for themselves. And sometimes we are prayed for when we don't even know we're being prayed for. And other times we've got so many, we we have no clue of all the people that are praying for us and that's simply because they overheard you talking to somebody else about something that's going on in your life and they just thought of it when they were praying and they prayed for you. God bless them. So you see, that's why we need to come together. And then more important than that, when we come to this table and we go out from this table into the rest of the world, we are a representation not only of this church and of each other, but we're God's witness in the world. And so whether we're doing, um, whether we're, we're, we're just doing something as simple as, as get, dropping off a bulletin or dropping off these flowers after the worship service, or we're collecting those, the, the food and for the in-gathering and we're taking it over to St. John um, Lutheran Church in Emmaus, and then it's distributed to all those amazing organizations. All of those pieces are us working together. Your church being represented through the actions of all of those people, and that's what we're talking about all things hold together in Christ. Another very important point Paul is communicating is that the reign of Christ through the church is critical because Jesus as head of the church reconciles all things. What does that mean? Reconciles all things. That means that there's nothing too big 
for Jesus not to be able to figure out and help us figure out and help us come together in the midst of all of our differences. And right away, when I say differences, all of you go to political these days, but that's not the only differences. There's nuances of how we believe. Each one of us have a different expression of how we believe. We all pray differently. We all pray in different ways. All those are valid. But we just need to to understand that all of those reconciling things come together when we worship together, when we ask for forgiveness together, when we pray together, and then when we go out from here to another place. Um, A a, a cute little story. Um, Cindy Krasdansky helped us organize a trivia night. A couple of us were there playing trivia with some other people at the Trivet Diner um, on, um, on Tillman Street. And one of the things that Cindy happened to mention to Doc Zog, who's the guy who does the trivia, is the trivia master. He says, he says, he thought about, he heard that there was a pastor and some church people coming. And so he decided to make the part, the sort of the theme of all the questions about thanks and thankfulness. Well, that's Cindy's witness to him simply telling him that the church was coming. Here we come. (laughs) Now we got in trouble because we laughed so much that we almost lost a point because we were disrupting things because there's some pretty darn serious folks this thing. We finished last, but we represented well, our little team. (laughs) Because there's some really serious people there. point is, is that we didn't say anything, Cindy didn't say to him, you know, get ready, the church is coming, you got to, they're, they're holier than thou, and you got to be, she didn't say any of that, she just said a group from my church is coming, and because of that, Doc Zog had, has respect for people from the church and the things that we do as a church, so he said, this is a great theme, it's Thanksgiving, yeah, but then we, hey, we can get this in there too, so that those, but that's just a, that's a, that's one of the sort of more mundane, simpler things. But the church has that, that feeling, that expression, the way that we do things together. Reconciling all things through Christ. Christ's reconciliation includes the disarming of the principalities and powers that are all around us in the world. Turn on the news and you'll see what I'm talking about. Especially those who think they are supernatural beings. You know who I'm talking about. Better than all the rest of us and the socio-political structures of the world and order in the world take advantage, who, that take advantage of oppressed, discriminated against, and alienated people. It's another place where Christ's reconciliation comes and goes over the top of any kind of political alliance or analogy or anything like that. It's reconciling with one another and love is the ultimate operating system. The church then becomes the place of the presence of God and also the community where reconciliation takes place or it should be. Jesus is the founder of the church. He's the reconciler. Jesus reconciles all reality in order to bring it into the context of the new humanity. The new humanity that Jesus is bringing into being. In other words, when we celebrate Christmas coming up, we're celebrating Jesus coming into the world again. And through that, the peace comes. The peace of Christ which passes all understanding. And when that peace comes, reconciliation isn't far behind it. And when we do everything in the name of Jesus in our lives, then we help bring that reality, that peace to the rest of the world. Or try to. 
To experience God, we need to try and center our lives in the community called the church, the beloved community. To experience reconciliation with God, with fellow people, with nature, we must center ourselves in the community called the church, the beloved community. The church under this reign of Jesus is the community of centeredness. It is the place where God dwells in Christ and where reconciliation with each other and with the strangers occur because of Christ. When this letter that Paul wrote, from this letter from Paul is carefully interpreted for today, for what's happening today in the church and in the world, we discover that the reign of Christ needs to sometimes challenge the most basic and fundamental values of today's world, of the society that around, that's around us. We need to speak and insist that we, together as God's people, as it says in Micah 6.8, do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with our God. Without any of that, the church can hardly be centered in Christ or be about building the church of Jesus Christ in the world. Looking at verses 11 through 14 and the practical application of this text for the lives of those Christians and those Colossian Christians Paul is writing to and to all of us today. One scholar comments this way, I love this, says, it seems that these Colossian Christians have quite literally had a change of spiritual address. They got relocated from a kingdom of darkness and death into a kingdom of light and life. They exchanged a zip code of misery for a new land where this cosmic Christ is all in all, and in which that all shines and sparkles with nothing less than the glory of God. Indeed, Christians then and Christians now still pass through lots of dark valleys in this world. Can I get an amen? Christians need to fix their eyes on the cosmic Christ who has mastery over everything. And they need to do that from the context of a lot of darkness that yet clings to our lives in this still broken world. The commentator continues... We need a few glimmers of the kingdom of light to pierce our present darkness if we are to have any chance to embrace the outrageous yet glorious things Paul here asserts. We have seen the light of Christ flicker in the eyes of even our dear ones as they die. If Jesus is the one who created, redeemed, sustains, and now holds together all things and everything, then it's true. Get this part. The kingdom of light into which we have been rescued from this dark world is real and exists right this very moment. Here we go again. The the kingdom of light into which we have been rescued from this dark world is real and exists right this very moment. Amen. That's the end quote. The Apostle Paul reminds us at the conclusion of this lesson, all this was made possible through the cross just proves that, the, that not only in death and darkness of this world, not, only, not, not the undoing of our hope, our hope, in fact, is strengthened precisely because it comes out of this deep darkness that was, that was then defeated from the inside out. So instead of condemnation, slavery, hatred, and oppression, Christ's saving work on the cross has given us forgiveness, freedom, love, and peace. 
And it follows then that just as God delivered the Hebrew slaves out of Egypt into freedom of the promised land, so now God in Christ has delivered us, you and me, every single one of us, no matter who we are or where we're at, from our bondage and delivered us into the freedom of his realm, his kingdom. Christ our King tells each one of us right in the biblical text, you are no longer a condemned person. I have forgiven you. I have set you free from the slavery of sin and death. I love and accept you unconditionally, everybody. You no longer have to destroy your life by letting your addictions and obsessions enslave you. My love for you is unlimited. It has the power to remove and heal you from every hatred, every form of oppression. Come and live with me in my realm of love and grace. I finish with the same place that I started, Colossians 1, starting this time at the 15th verse, continuing to the 18th verse, and again I turn to the message translation. The subtitle of this section is so true, and where I got the title for this message this morning, Christ holds it all together. We look at this son, Jesus, and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son, Jesus, and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in Jesus and finds its purpose in Jesus. This Christ Jesus was therefore, was there before any of it came into existence. And holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, Jesus organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. Jesus was supreme in the beginning. And leading the resurrection parade, Jesus is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, Jesus is there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is this Jesus, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. All because of Jesus' death, his blood that poured down from the cross. The reign of Christ Sunday, we are thankful that our Jesus is a different king than all the rest. Unlike the others, he went to the cross in order to reconcile all enemies to God. In loving and forgiving the enemy, the enemy is radically changed and in time also able to love and forgive It is precisely in being loved and forgiven by Christ that we too, we too, are able to love and forgive others, all others, even our enemies. We are freed, you see, by Christ to live life abundantly. And oh yeah, we're we're also freed to work for the good of all peoples, including and maybe even especially our enemies. We are free to live with the hope and courage that the love and grace of Christ, our King, reigns forever and ever. 
I always think when I read this part of the passage when, that talks about him, our king, reigning forever and ever because I'm a singer, um, it, the, 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 the chorus from Messiah just rings in my, my head. And he shall reign forever and ever. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Amen. Please join your voices with mine as together we say the prayer that Jesus himself taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now hear these words of benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and always and unto ages of ages. Amen. Amen.